And now, it's the Pixel and Roll Show with Adam McGinnis. Today's sponsor is Sneakers, a DC DMV sports apparel company. Go check out their very cool designs at sneekis.com. Hoodies, t-shirts, hats, and at checkout, enter Pixel and Roll and get 10% off your order. Also, in the process, you help support independent media. So go do it. Thanks a lot. Capital G, ball in the beat. Status Chris Paul or John Wall in the league. Grab a mic till the knuckles will bleed. Cause I believe the potent and the potent have the geek like speed. If rationale is natural, I will weave. It's all edges and peace. Setting press free on a permanent speed. I'm in the world where my princess is player. Ain't you feeling my Vader? And my lore grows greater and greater. Kim trails drop poison his vapors. Have you shaking like Gator? Been trill, nigga, process to data. Blu-ray, wait, follow a beta. I DVR later. Copper Massa, where the G to my waiter. What is up, Doe? Welcome to another edition of the Pixel and Roll Show, where we discuss this struggling, struggling basketball team, your Washington Wizards. Hello, everyone. This is Adam McGinnis. It is November 16th, 2016. On today's episode, it is a continuation of my conversation with Mr. Rashad Mobley. He came over to my crib last Sunday. We kicked it for a few hours and discussed this basketball team what was going wrong over the first few weeks of this young season the positives the negatives oh so many negatives we went to a dark place here and there but we try to keep it somewhat real the whole time with some funny stories of some of the games that we have covered so far this year and also the state of the franchise with some of the comments that Ted Leonsis had made recently about potentially moving the team from the Verizon Center. And I went off on long rants with some of you who do not like Grunfeld or Leonsis will enjoy. We also said some really nice things about Otto Porter, McClellan, and Sadoransky. So thank you for always for your support. Here is my convo with Rashad. Enjoy. How would you evaluate Brooks so far? It's impossible to... I'm not evaluating Brooks. I'm evaluating him in comparison. The staff, the system, or what? What, what the, well, this product? Well, I'm looking at because that was Scott Brooks. Like, like, so we can go because we're going to get into Ted Leonsis and Grunfeld before I'm done with this podcast because I, I have some some shit to say about this this plan. Some that choice they, words. So yeah, some stuff. But you know, I've said it before. It's like at some point, it's like all right, Ernie gave Ernie Ted. This is what they decided to spend. Now you're the coach, and you got to figure it out. That's why you're getting paid seven million dollars a year. Right, and now it's two weeks in. It's two and seven. We're second worst team in the NBA. Our best players are sitting out. You know, there's a lot of doom and gloom. Right, we just mentioned this, but in the sense of what have you seen as a co- as like what he's doing as a coach? And I know it's hard to see what's going on behind the scenes, but just from his pure, you know, because we can I can bitch about the lack of talent in this plan and all this whole bullshit. But I think is affecting some of what he's got. But if you just go from what he's purely like his decision making, like. It, that's on him. Like, with the guys, the rotations, what he's trying to do. Um, you know, I think the biggest criticism, obviously, is the three-point defense. Like, he needs to figure out his defense, especially his em- emphasize it. But all the rest of the stuff, I've so what I've seen out of him is, like, a flexibility to change things up. That's, that's it's been refreshing. Throwing stuff at the wall. I mean, I didn't like this at the beginning of the season when he was going with these, like, all-bench lineups. All, he was playing 10 guys all the time. Right. But he was still trying to figure out these guys. Right. And he saw the lost confidence – a Burke, but he still kept, you know, kind of got his confidence back right. a little bit. So, so I saw those things, a willingness to sit Ubre and Nicholson for a game and then play him again next day. 
Well, I mean, what I liked about him in the summer is that, number one, he was willing to have the balls to say the job isn't Porter's. He has to earn it. Mm-hmm. I appreciated that. That tells me that he's open-minded, that he's realistic. I like how he didn't have to take the start Federer, or to bring Federer in. Yeah, I see that'd be a criticism as well. I, I, Maybe I like he was just trying to ease him in, though, right? But, but now, it's in, in hindsight, that's probably a bad decision. I don't know what was behind him telling Adam Rubin that we'll, we'll try to work him in. Um, I didn't think he deserved to be relegated like that. He he proved that he could ball. And he's um, an older rookie, too. He's 24 years old. Right. This isn't, he's polished, like yeah. I said before. So I, I appreciate him switching up. I like the fact that he, even when he demoted Trey Burke, he still had confidence enough to bring him in consistently. So I liked how he's, he thinks on the fly and is not married to any one way of doing things just because he told the media he was going to do that. So that I respect. But I... Whenever you hear somebody as a player's coach, you always worry invariably at some point is there going to be a problem with them being able to control the locker room. And that's my criticism. I don't... If Bradley Bill feels like players aren't playing hard, that's something that you keep in the locker room in between the time where the game ends and before the media comes. You tell your teammates, we need to do this, this, and that. You don't tell that to the media. Just like Bogorta said yesterday, you don't say that to the media. So I'm wondering... If they respect Scott Brooks enough, despite the things that he does with the rotation and despite despite the fact that he has an open mind, I wonder if there's a respect there. I wonder now that they're, they're giving up a lot of points on defense and the way that they're giving up points, do they believe in him? And so that's that's the knock on Brooks. Uh, I, I just I don't I, I don't know what his identity is. It's too early. Yeah, I think and, it's way too early as and, well. And he hasn't shown it. And, you know, I guess what I should do is look at all the new coaches in the league and look to see what their identity is. I mean, Jeff Hornacek right now can't even, you know, he can't even do what he wants to do because he has Phil in the triangle hovering over him, you know. Um, who's the uh, Phoenix coach? Earl Watson last night just looked totally blown because his players weren't doing what he wanted to do. So, I mean, maybe it's just a, it's too small of a sample size to be judging new coaches. But I just feel like with the Wizards... They have they had less room for error than other teams. I mean, the coach that you fired, despite his ineptitude last year, did take you to two consecutive playoff appearances. You know, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of expectations about the process. But if something like this is part of your process, that means it's an upward arc. That means you're going this way. And right now, the Wizards, they look, they're just going the wrong way. And so it's just, I don't know. I don't I don't want to totally shit on Scott Brooks, but at the same time. You are the head coach. You're not a first-time head coach. You know, you coached a team before. I, I, don't, I don't know what you do special. I don't know what to hang, what you hang your hat on and say, this is a Scott Brooks team. Mm-hmm. Well, because of Durant and Westbrook and him playing Kendrick Perkins too much and, and all those criticisms that he got under that microscope of being the Thunder. And then some of it, I don't know how much was fair or unfair, and it's really hard to tell, but we'll kind of know now what Scott Brooks is on this oh, team. totally that, fair that, because there was no, every play was ISO. Down the stretch, I saw Westbrook, I saw Durant, but where where was there, there were no plays run, mm-hmm. and they had talent on that roster. So, so you know, we'll, we'll see. Now I think he has a decent staff. Now what? Well, let's talk about the plan. So Ted Leonsen, Skinny T, gives an interview with Washington Post, uh, an hour long interview, just talking about you know monumental sports, the brand. Right. I mean, monumental sports and Comcast now are like sharing interests with each other. The deal, so Comcast got part of their deal. They're extending their rights. Leonsis was, you know, threatening to not threatening or 
potentially indicating that he was going to form his own network, TV network. And Comcast, they had a shittier deal, so they rip up the deal. The terms of it, essentially, it's, it's kind of boring, blah, blah, blah. But Com- Comcast is now, the Wizards now own 25% of the channel. Right. And then Comcast gets a seat, gets a stake in Monumental as well. Right. There's an equity thing going on. So basically, they've made this form, this partnership and this is also the people covering the team All right and uh, do you, you feel any of conflict of interest over here that, uh, I don't know if it will come across but I don't know how that is not on paper not some type of conflict of interest and let's not forget he passive aggressively threatened to leave uh, DC yes this is what we're going to get to right, so right. in the interview he says he, compla- he complained about his mortgage right uh, and says that his his mortgage payment is higher than what people pay for rent for other stadiums right. that caused a breakdown on all sorts of people yelling at him right I and then so, but let's focus on the Wizards. Yeah. So he described. Uh, he says that he only he only evaluates Grenfeld from when he took over in 2010, not his 13 seasons of running the team. Even though if he can value from 2010, I would say it's still subpar. Yeah, <laughs> let's have tunnel vision like that. Even though when Grenfeld got here in 2003, you were here, Ted. Yes, he was not only here. But guess who you fired yeah. to bring Grunsfeld? <laughs> Michael fucking Jordan. And who wanted to keep Michael Jordan? Right. Ted did. So. A. Poland fired him, and, and, and Leonsis was the one who brought in Michael Jordan. It was the one still to the day when, when A. Poland fired him. He was the one that wanted Michael Jordan to stay. I just feel like you can't have tunnel vision. You cannot, on one hand, say that you're only going to judge Ernie from, what, 2010? 10, yes. When, he took, over, when gonna, he took over the majority ownership, but he's been involved as a minority right. owner the whole time. You're only going to judge him from the wall era. Number one. Number two, you're going to turn around in that same interview and basically undo all the goodwill that A. Poland built up by bringing the team, revitalizing D.C. We both live in D.C. Yes. He revitalized this whole Chinatown area. area. And you're going to bitch and moan about a lease. I just, I just, I plus it's it's a mortgage. Like that means that he's going to be done paying. <laughs> so he like he wants this 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 municipalities or whatever. To have a lower pay, it's, it's not good economics. Now I understand his points, but it's like, come on, dude, you're making so much money. Like you on the team, you you were the one who negotiated the billion dollar TV and, deal for the NBA. You know how much money he's getting pumped into, and, you, and you're complaining off. from three million to twenty million facility costs. Like, he's complaining about like what you have to make repairs, and then now he's threatening to leave Chinatown, maybe Virginia, maybe Maryland. That's what he goes off in these quotes that sent everyone. And it comes off as completely toned yes. because you, Thank you are, you've been in this area long enough to know how DC fans think. Yes. And any DC, any Wizards fan is tired of Ernie Grunfeld. Yes. Right. So and, you, they, and they want, and they want the Wizards, they want the Bulls thing back too. Right. I say those are the two common things that your average Wizards fan or even die, or even die hard that that pulls, that's the majority of the sentiment. And that, uh, not to not to bring up uh, your favorite guy Tony Kornheiser again, but Tony Kornheiser calls Ernie Grunfeld Houdini because he creates messes. He gets himself out of it. He comes up with these trades that look good to make you that throw you off the scent of the fact that who put you in this mess in the first place. And he keeps doing it. It's like Jeff. I compare him and Jeff Fisher. Jeff Fisher somehow keeps getting a job. He like finishes eight eight all the time, seven and nine somehow keeps keeps the job. Yeah, but at least Jeff Fisher has been to the Super Bowl before. True. You know, Jeff Fisher can still hang his hat on. Hey, look, I was in the Super Bowl with Steve McNair way back in '99. <laughs> you know, he can, he can keep going to that. What What has Ernie Grunfeld done to 
make you believe that we should entrust a franchise with him going on what? What is it? Thirteen years? Yeah, thirteen years. Going on fourteen years, and so. But if we just go back to 2010, let's just go. From, let's just go from his metric. 2010, right? All right. Trevor Booker, John Vesley, Chris Singleton, Jordan Crawford, Kevin Serafin, trading, re- rebuilding this young players, okay, blah wait, blah. Wait, wait, all, wait. all the all they've really Trevor ever done. Trevor Booker was not a bad. No, no, I'm saying, but he's not. He's not with the team anymore. No, you, you didn't grow these young assets that you were supposed to do with this rebuild. Like that's what he said. That's what Ted said. Two thousand ten. We're gonna yeah. be rebuild from the draft. Yeah. So really, all you really have left is the number one overall pick <laughs> and the two, three overall picks <laughs> out of this whole sixteen years. Basically, all you really have left from, to show from all these moves you've made no, as, as, as as building piece as building blocks. Right and using all this cap space and all the stuff we're doing as a young team, so like, so even the rebuild is not that great. What did you have to do? Then you had to get these veterans, but then you make, then you, then you, then you save up all this money. Don't resign Ariza, you know. Give money. Then you well, even give money to Webster, which was a bad decision. Everyone knew that it was a bad decision. And you still did that. The Andre Botch contract. They did not have to do that. They did that. Now I'm not saying that's not going to win, but like, these are. If you're gonna, we're evaluating on these moves from 2010. Gruffle didn't exist in 2010. I mean, these are the moves that he made. Now, one's worked out. The Gortat trade probably worked out more than than I thought. The Ariza trade, Okafor trade, worked Simon out. Pierce. Worked, that worked out. Signing Pierce, Pierce, worked Pierce worked out. But but from this fundamental building box, like I'm gonna keep these stars. Trevor Booker was the one that upset me the most. And I've gone off these rants. Is that yeah, it wasn't much money, but you said like. Hey, I'm gonna have these teams grow here, like he did with the Caps. I'm gonna have these, you no, know, maybe not just the stars. Some other guys play hard. We're gonna be tough and physical. People are gonna like them and be part of this team and this franchise. And then you don't really even do that to it, like a decent. Guy. Now, is Trevor Booker that he is he the determining factor of whether or not the Wizards? No, I mean he's probably you know French rotation player, mm-hmm. but he's about this like team community stuff that you were stressing. I'm using your words. <laughs> this is what he said what? he wanted to do, what? and then when he would do moves that were against what he said, then he just changes the things. And so now this upsets me is that now it's like all right, you know. So now he's using 2010 and not not 2003, right? And then he goes. I think fans are so believe in the win now mindset. If you don't win now, you lose two games in a row, make a change. And they should be. It's fantastic. It generates click streams. Right now we developed a plan and I was in the middle of it. We are executing against the plan. We are executing against the plan. And the plan is working slower than I want it to be, but I'm in the middle of it. What the fuck does that mean? The plan is slower. And if, so this just like these are empty platitudes. I mean, what was the plan? So the plan started in 2010. The plan started with John Wall. Now, now the plan was to go after Kevin Durant and these big free agencies. Now we didn't get him, so now it's like, it's slower. But what is it? Now you fight a new coach. But at the end of the day, who's the guy still in charge? Is Ernie Effing Grunfeld? And these fans want to get rid of him. And what happens if this goes to crap, dude? What happens if we start two and twenty? I mean, what? I mean, not two. Like, what if it goes to five? And you know what I mean? Like, what if this? This? Who? Would, how can he? There's no one. You can't fire the coach. No. Right? Uh, what's going to happen? People are going to stop going to the games. People get mad. And you're out here giving quotes, talking about how you're going to threaten to move to Virginia or Maryland. And then what pissed me off the most is that during the Rockets game, you were covering that. It was during the third, during the fourth quarter when the Wizard, literally the Rockets just went on like a 10-0 run to put the game away. Mm-hmm. He tweets out a link literally at that exact moment mm-hmm. about some interview about some esports where he got interviewed on some SB Nation blog about his 
like they interviewed him because he he bought something some uh, gaming thing. I mean, I don't play it. So he's a song interview. I was like, can you just do that at like five or like twelve? Do you have to tweet this out during right when your team your your team that has one win is literally blowing the game? This is so that's the tone deafness. Like schedule tweets differently. I know that's not that big a deal, but it just yeah. shows to this. Tone deafness of these are consumers, your people, the, your customers, and when you question what you're doing, it's like he he gets defensive and makes different metrics to just level with fans, right. and that's why you know people. I don't know whether or not Grumpful you want to give her to Grumpful. That's fine. I mean, but people, but it seems like there's this lack of awareness that that it's not that he's aware that people won't go to him, but it's like it's what is your defense now? I mean, because the defense before was stability. That's why they kept women. That's why they kept Grunfeld. We want a stability, this culture. But now you can't really argue. The stability argument's over. Right? Like, stability than it is I didn't really bring stability, but that, that was his argument. Right. And that doesn't even make any sense anymore, and right? Then it was we're going to go after Durant, and that bought him some time. But the biggest indictment of Grunfeld is you didn't get Durant. What are you going to do? And so his plan B was to bring in the players of the bench that Gortat laments now. And. We talked. The big move was Yam Mahimi backup center for sixty-four million dollars. That that's the plan. That was that okay. was the plan. In fairness, Paul George. Now the Horford was a coin flip to come here, and it probably changes everything. But but he wasn't coming. Here. Yeah. But Paul George, in on media day, said they asked him, "Are you going to miss Mahimi?" And he said, "We're going to miss Mahimi. He was a big time interior defender for us. That's a big hole that we're going to miss." So. Mahimi does have a skill set, but right now it feels like Grunfeld put together this bench, and the, the bench that he put together has cost a lot of money. What do you give? Cost a lot of three years. Right. Deal. It cost a lot of money. It's cost the Wizards at least two of their losses, and now one of your senior players is bitching and moaning about just how effective they are. Again. I never know. Kyle asked Scott Brooks, after how many games do you measure your team and say this is who we are or this is a good measure? And Scott Brooks said, that's not fair. I don't like to do that because it's not fair to our players and we're always accountable. But after after nine games, are they are they who they are? Can we expect improvement? I mean, I, I just I, – I, I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, back to Grunfeld. I feel like – if they make it to five and twenty or nine and twenty, or if they don't make the playoffs, and the reason they don't make the playoffs is because the part of the team that Grunfeld was in charge of building in the offseason fails him, he has to go. Mm-hmm. And it shouldn't be a matter of if we get rid of him, who are we going to bring in? You worry about that later. He has to go because. He's well, the Marquise Morris trade definitely bought Grunfeld time because you don't do that. You don't trade your first round pick to go from a group Morris unless the owner. Signs you up. Also, it gave him time because you don't fire your whole front office staff and then try to get Kevin Durant. But I'm not right? like, like, our, our colleague uh, Ben um, Standing. Ben Standing would be very upset if we if we shit on the Marquise Morris trade. He He's also has a podcast out there now too. So he, ben, congratulations! Yeah, him and Todd are uh, more more Wizards podcast the merrier. By the way, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't. I'm not even mad at that trade. That's fine. But Nicholson. Jason Smith, Trey Burke, Mahimi. I mean, that's that's not that's that's not, no. As opposed to the Cavs bench, where you have uh, you have a, uh, what's the Arizona guy? You have three point shooters. You have defenders. There's a there's a niche 
what they're trying to do. Everything they have makes sense. The Wizards bench, I don't know what the rationale is. So, yeah, I'm, 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 not, I'm not feeling very comfortable. So this is what Leonson said about why he didn't make changes in the front office. Because we were executing to the plan. If we had varied from the plan and the plan didn't work, then I think it would have been the realm of my responsibility to take a look. But we were executing a plan that we agreed to when it was five years ago. Now, here's the problem with this. is Once again, see how he's like, so now Grenfell's just judged by 2010. Now it's a five-year plan. Now, you know, we had to keep this plan out. And then, hey, it's going slower than we wanted. And like he's like finding these, like, he's like moving the, the barriers of responsibility. And, but then also still saying that he's listening and, and he's being held accountable. Right. So the very <laughs> thing we, lo- we like that Scott Brooks is not married to the plan and operating on the fly. But the bigger picture, the, the coach and the GM are still on this plan shit that's not... That's not working. And from, this is from Scott Allen in the Washington Post. The plan at its most basic level involves developing a core of young talent while maintaining sour cap flexibility has become a source of mockery for Wizards fans and podcasters, many of whom don't hesitate to let Leonsis know about their feelings about how he's running the team. After the Wizards blew a fourth quarter lead against Memphis, Leonsis said that he saw a tweet that time to sell the team. Okay, so Leonsis. There's all these ways that you can judge how you're doing. It can be purely on tweets, Leonsis says. I mean, I'm not tone deaf. <laughs> but he tweets out during the middle of a Rockets right. game. All right, all right, we're they're losing at home again. Uh, but it, but decisions can't be made purely on chatter. I'll leave it at that. I feel more accountable for our success and failure than a single individual. So blame me. Okay, number one, what is you he are talk- going to create a paragraph worth of quotes based on somebody saying sell the team? That's extreme. Like. Y- Whoever said that, that they're in the minority. The majority of Wizards fans are not are, saying that. Are not and saying that. He's using that as a as a diversion right. of the actual critique that's out there. And the opinions that Wizards fans form are not based on anything that happened this year or last year. It is an accumulation of things. There are for every Pierce hitting shots in the playoffs or Gilbert Arenas leaving the playoff, there are a lot of just head scratching decisions that are made in the front office or personnel wise. So again, that that's, that's tone deaf. And, and then also, if you seen his mentions, like on his mentions, man, people are like, fire Grumfeld, you suck. So so there is, but then there's also, I see his mentions, I'm like, damn, man, there is like some anger out here about him. And But also, when you say, I'm going to go to Virginia or Maryland, or you write a blog post about how everything's all great this summer and how we're, we're trying to win a championship for you fans. You know, women and girls are not going to bring this thing of a championship. Come on, you know this. You And that's and the reason you fire women wasn't really about championship is because he didn't make the playoffs, so you get that extra money. Right. And that's what the Adam Rubin is. I've had many fans. And the other thing that, it's, that I find the most frustrating about this is just level with us, y'all. Mm-hmm. Just level with fans. Like, level, hey. We wanted to do this. It didn't work out. It's like he's so tied to, to defend Grunfeld or defend this stubbornness that he can't just level level with them about what you want to do. And if that's in instead, it's like these platitudes and moving the goalposts and trying to try to say he owns a team for five years when it's been six years and and, and all of these things. And it just that to me just brings the ace. And, and all it does is just ignite the actual these fans more and more. All, you have like, to- all you're doing is pissing them off. It's not actually helping. You're throwing more gasoline on something that's always on fire right. by telling them it's not on fire. <laughs> all you have to say is, look, we really wanted Durant. We thought we were going to get him. It didn't happen. We're starting from square one. Please be patient. If he said that, I think he would have everybody's respect because we, we're investing in these young guys. Hey, we're, you know, but then we, but then you wouldn't draft. You wouldn't sell. You wouldn't buy into the draft. You know, now, now, hey, House and McClellan, and that has happened. So there was positives that are going on, and, mm-hmm. and if I, you know, if I look at some of Grumfeld's moves, I can't say they're all. 
they're all there. But when the, the main sentiment of your fan base, and now you're two and seven, now you fired the coach, now you missed the playoffs, and you really just what won two playoff series in six years for a franchise that has been downtrodden, and you don't even have that many. I wouldn't say you don't have any fans, but like it's tough. Come on, we're Wizards fans. How are we podcasting with? Like you don't. It's not the, like the Redskins fan base. It, it isn't. You know, it's a tough. There's a lot of competition, and these quotes and him cultivating. It's like disrespectful, I think, to the diehard fans, and and it, and it just becomes this levelness where this is why I get all these tweets from people. This is why, and what do they always say? Tell me, fire Grunfeld. Now I don't even know right now if firing Grunfeld will actually change anything. You can't fire him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I, or just like I don't know, is there a success? Just retire. I don't know why he just doesn't retire. Tommy Shepard is in the front office. I really like Tommy Shepard personally. There's a lot of guys individually I like in the front office mm-hmm. personally and, and professionally. I think they're pretty smart what they're doing. But when things don't work out, so I don't know what's happening with Nelson and Grunfeld. Me and Kyle, we talked about it. I don't know what he, you know, what he does. He you does does Grunfeld just carry out his thing? Does how involved is Ted? How involved is he? Is 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 Grunfeld his shield from legitimate criticism? As long as Grunfeld, everyone just yells at Grunfeld. Grunfeld and doesn't yell at him. Right. I know that's some like like third level shit, but I, I don't know the answer. And, that, and the people always 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 ask me that question about that, and I don't know why he's because it, it's not performance based. Anyone else would have fired Grunfeld a long time ago. Right. A new owner would have fired him, and then now six years in, and all this thing happened. And the most frustrating is that. To him, to the criticism, to me, is actually not more so on Ted Leonsis than, Grunf- than Grunfeld is the fact that he personally negotiated the NBA NBA media rights deal, mm-hmm. knew that the salary cap was going to go up then, right. and then you put this whole plan to be in the. So it went from maybe four or five teams having money to get a max player mm-hmm. to now where Kevin Durant can go to Golden State, right. and you never foresaw that. So now our cap buddies and all this money didn't really even matter because now everyone else had it too. And so so then now it was more people. So you didn't see that? Like that's such a that is such a flaw and miss by by the guy that was the one in the room negotiating all this money. You knew that that money would make the salary cap go on, but you're you're embedded to a plan, which the main part of that plan was the fact that we're going to have all the salary cap to sign our own guys. We have Beal, and then to go after a major free agent, and there will only be a handful of people, and they want to come play with Beal and Wall and Washington, D.C. market, and you know, rather than somewhere far off, right? Right, and like, it didn't happen. And it didn't happen, and then he and then he takes like no ownership of that, right. and then uses, like, he'll use that, what I just described, he's like, oh yeah, there's, see, we didn't get the player, because all the people have the money. He's like, well, why did you not see that? And why didn't you get the player? <laughs> and, and then why don't you tell me that? Right. Just tell us that. And it, 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 are you mad, like, or stubborn, like, overstubborn? And then how about this, is this just to the point, like, he doesn't want to fire Grumble because everyone wants him to fire him? I, 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 I don't know what levels of psychology you want to go into this decision. Well, I mean, I, 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 I'm talking about this for 30 minutes, but people on this podcast want to listen to this. Like, this frustrates them. You know what time it is? Commercial break. I never ask you for any money, even though I should, to help keep these lights on. But I do want you to support a small business here in the DMV that creates really cool apparel, hats, t-shirts, hoodies, sneakers. S-N-E-E-K-I-S. That's right, Sneakus. And at checkout, put in Pixel Roll to get 10% off your order. They have a really cool new basketball shirt that you should check out. And you also help support Wizards Independent Media. Now back to me bitching the show. But all that being said, I do think, and I, maybe you know, I just want to admit this publicly, and he won't admit this to anyone, but I do think if the Wizards miss the playoffs, not just they miss the playoffs, but if they're... Like 10th or 11th in the East, I do think Grunfeld is going to go. 
Mm-hmm. I feel it'll be very unceremonious, so just let him go. But then that blows up the plan. And so the honesty that we're talking about will happen at that point. But that also that almost gives him a built-in reset button to just say, look, Raphael, I don't know, that guy, he's a crazy guy. You know, he was, <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. But now we have somebody in here and the plan restarts now. But what you have to worry about, and we haven't even talked about it, is... John Wall leaving in two years? Yes. What is, is John Wall thinking? Um, what the hell have you done in seven years? Is he thinking the same thing I think Durant was thinking, which is like, I grew up around this franchise. I saw what just happened last year. There's no way in hell I'm going there. Is Wall saying, I'm out. And Wall's a classic guy. He's a loyal guy, so he won't be overtly shitting on the team. But his people have to be saying, you got to go, man. I mean, is it... Is it- could this get so bad, really? Could this get so bad where maybe this team would have to trade John Wall in the spring and the summer? And not trade them, but might be the best what, move for them? for the ringer now? <laughs> no, 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 no. You know, no, the ringer no. wrote a whole... Yeah, I know yeah, that. But no, I, I'm saying, like, where it becomes where, like, they're really bad, and John Wall's going to leave, and so the best thing for the franchise is to actually trade him, even though, guess what, great. But I'm on record, Leo says he's never going to do that. I mean, he's no, just, he knows I, that he has to have John Wall to sell tickets, and that's, at the end of the I day, that's what he is. before he does that, he will be willing to get rid of someone else. To get to uh, get walled, be like, what the fuck are you doing? No, to get uh, Boogie Cousins or mm. to get or to get someone else here. So I, I think he would do a trade, a la the Marquise Morris trade, to bring somebody else here before he would get rid of Wall. Rid of Wall. But you got to do something so that Wall knows we still got your back. Mm-hmm. Because right now he has to be thinking, you know, this team is just as bad as it was before Bill got here. <laughs> you know, like what, like what, what's going on? Yeah, Yama Hebe's not going to really save it. I don't have billboards, and now I don't have playoffs. <laughs> like, what? So, I'm, still, has, still has a shitty beard, though. Can, can, can he turn that beard up? What, 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 like. And he, he needs to get some my shadow drawn. <laughs> but at the same time, he knows that I'm not completely healthy, so he probably thinks once I get healthy, once I can play every game, we'll be okay. But Man, we, we just got into a doom and gloom scenario, but I don't know... I don't know any quick fixes. I mean, unless Otto's playing well, we need to be able to play an all-star level and come back and play healthy, and, and Wall has to get healthy, and then maybe there'll be 45 wins. Like, but no, no. I don't think you do anything right now. I think you wait. You wait for everybody to be healthy. You wait for your team to be at full strength and see where you are. It feels like we say that every year, though, right? <laughs> No, 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 no. It but, is, but, but, it is. but that is a fair evaluation of Scott Brooks and this group, right? right? You see where you are January 1st. We need to know what this group could produce. Because so January 1st, you're still the second worst team in the East. You got to do something. Mm-hmm. Maybe you got to trade out a Porter to get Cousins or Rudy Gay or, or, or somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, well, this finishes on a question because that was actually one of the questions. Uh, Chairface. Actually, what is your real name? I think it's Clarence, maybe. Uh, he asks, out of the games he lost, how many do we win if Giannis, Healthy, and Sato play more out of the gate? You actually, you actually, uh, we already talked that one. What's the other one? Uh, Adam Sled. I like Adam. Our hey, Adam. Adam Sled. Uh, panic trade predictions? <laughs> is it too early to start scouting college players? Because so, here's some other fans, too, right? This draft is really loaded. Yeah, it's, there are some ballers in this draft. Like some, this dude from Kansas is a baller. Mm-hmm. These dudes from Dukes are ballers. I'm talking like a lot better than the last couple. Like and, they, and, 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 and they know there's some big guys like Giles, the Jackson guy from Kansas. Dude, he's fucking so good. Tatum, Jason Tatum, who's from 
St. Louis, Chaminade, Beals High School, Duke player. He's he's a little skinny, but he's really fucking good. I mean, uh, the guy from Gonzaga went to fucking Washington. Or not Gonzaga, DeMatha kid, Marcus Fold. They already have him the number one pick. Mm-hmm. Fucking local kid went to Washington. Huskies, way out fucking across the country. He is supposed to be really good. They already have him projected. There are some studs, but... They didn't put all the money into Beal and Wall and all of Yami Himi to suck and make it all go to shit. And I don't want to root for that either. I don't want to root for that. But at some point, I know I we're not there yet. I don't, I mean, I, I hate Is it the be, best thing for the franchise? I hate to be cynical, but I do not. Then finish in 12. Trust <laughs> Ernie Grunfeld to, in the draft, and to pick a player who doesn't fall on his lap like Wall and Beal. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't trust him in that regard. I trust him more. To make a good trade for a veteran. So what would be your panic trade? The panic trade would be for Cousins. Um, Beal Wall, or no, Beal, Gortat, Porter, or Marquise, first round pick, or something like that. Like the no, whole team. Maybe. It, I don't know. <laughs> we have to get Rudy Gay and Boogie, and they give us some shitty contract. Oubre and a, and a pick. Oubre, you yeah. Know. Gortat, I think Gortat and Oubre are probably the good, good trade right, pieces. Cousins... Name Porter, it, not, Porter won't be as good because they know he's he, he's you know going to get a raise. So right. So, but um, again, if you do that, you have to have some kind of talk with with Porter so that he stays because you don't want a situation where you do all that and then Porter walks or Porter he's a restricted free agent mm-hmm. so that his price is so high that you you know you can't match it. So that would be my panic trade for Cousins. Other than that. What what player makes sense? I mean, Philly is going to be looking to unload either Okafor or Noel, but I actually like Noel on the Wizards. Yeah. I actually like that, but I don't know that if I did that, I'm not going to give up Gortat. Like, I think Gortat and Noel should play together, and maybe, you know, then you got to worry about Marquis. I don't, I, don't, I don't know, but I think Cousins is the one that makes the most sense. Um, but, you know. There, there are some panic trades in, in there where I could, I could justify someone from Philly or, but, but who would the, who would the Wizards trade? I mean, it, Gortat's contract, obviously with Mihimi at some point, it's hard to tell because Mihimi hasn't played. But I mean, that obviously is, the writing's kind of a little bit on the right. wall there. Like they have to have a list of players they don't want to give. Urbe Young still on a rookie contract. He has some talent. Young, he could, right. you know, he'd yeah. have, he'd be attractable more so than Porter, who's is going to try to get twenty to twenty five million dollars next year. So. Teams would be probably leery to give up an asset right. for that. You're not giving up Sadoransky. You're keeping him. No. You got to see what he would be. So that's really that's really left Porter, here. Porter, Beal. I mean, not Beal. Porter, Oubre, and Gortat are the players that you can trade And in. Beal would be really hard to trade with his contract now, right? You you'd, have to, you'd have to come bring somebody that's making just as much back or close to trade, 80%. Then, no, no. If you trade Bill, it nullifies every fucking quote in that article. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, you're blowing. You're not just abandoning the pan. You're, you're playing. You're blowing it up. Mm-hmm. Like, we didn't get Durant. And now we let the person who basically gave the Durant money, we're letting him go to no. Mm-hmm. Because then Wall is going to walk. Yes. So, yeah, that'd be way panic. No, no. You can't, you can't trade. You can't trade people. So, it'd be like first round pick, Markeith. No, I'm saying potential assets that we could give up to somebody. Ubre, Gortat, Markeith. No first round pick. You can't get rid of Markeith. I'm saying if you would get somebody but back that, to play. No, you got no. And he has a decent contract, so that's that's actually attractable. I'm just saying, like the pieces I'm that Oubre, we're panicking, who we actually could move Oubre realistically. Porter and 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 Gortat you st- and draft picks. You start there. You kind of, you dangle that out there to see what it is you can get. But 
What are we talking? January? <laughs> January is when you start thinking it? What does your record have to be? What does the Wizards record have to be before you're in panic time? Mm-hmm. What, what do you think? <sighs> is it the famous Tony Tony Kornheiser 9 and 20? <laughs> he said every year? Well, let's let's go through this because we're going to end this podcast on the schedule. Yeah, let's look at Okay, so they, Wednesday they play at Philly. They play the Knicks at home on Thursday. Miami at home on Saturday. Phoenix. A game. Phoenix at home on Monday, and then next Friday, good, good, or not good Friday, uh, Black Friday, they play at Orlando. I'm actually going to be in Orlando for my family's, uh, for my sis, my stepsister lives down there, so I'm going to be, I'm going to go to the Amway Center. Uh, I'm unaware if I'm going to cover the game. I'm just going to go with my Wizard stuff, probably as a fan. So those are five games they can win. I mean, they should win these five games. So I know once again, everything's a must win already. Must win. It's all must win. But there's a five games that they got to pick up four. <laughs> They got to pick off. They got to. They got to win four of these five. If they go two or even three, I mean, we're looking at four and ten, and then they play the Spurs, and then it's Oklahoma City, and then it's Sacramento can win. Then they go. Then they go at San Antonio. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's 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 play this out. Let's do it, Philly. I just see them losing just because. I think they're gonna. They're just, they're just gonna lose to Philly because Philly is. When you're, having, when you're having defensive issues and you're playing a scrappy team that fights for everything, you lose those games. So I think they will lose to Philly. I think they will beat the Knicks. They um, should beat the Heat. They should and, beat the and the Suns. Okay, let me let me let me walk that back. Yeah. It depends which game Wall plays because obviously Wall is not playing. He's not playing back-to-back games. Oh, so yeah. one of those games he's not playing. So they could lose the next one doesn't play. Right. So they could lose that one. And we're assuming that Beal is back. You know, doesn't have a stress fracture of the hamstring. <laughs> so, I mean, so we're assuming Beal's going to come back. Yeah. One of those games they're going to lose. So they're going to go one and one. Miami at the Verizon Center. That's a winnable game. Miami is very uneven right now. They're not playing well at all. Actually, no, that's a loss. Because Whiteside just shits on the Wizards. No, that's a loss. <laughs> Orlando is a win. Phoenix a win? So you have them 3-2? Three 3-2 and two? Three and two of those five games. Phoenix, so Phoenix is 50-50. That's 50-50. But I'll, okay, I'll give them that win. So they're going to win back-to-back. Then they play Saturday, and Thanksgiving they a, weekend. They play the Spurs at home. Okay, they're going to be... Orlando because they have a long that's a that's a long layoff mm-hmm. Monday the twenty fourth that's a long layoff that's a lot of practice time they're gonna win that game the Spurs there's no way they're gonna win that game the Kings they should beat the Kings they, uh, they should beat the Kings but here's a road trip at Oklahoma City no, at San Antonio no. at Brooklyn the, uh, the last game of a road trip is always fifty fifty. But I mean, but there's a stretch here. Let's keep going. I mean, but then look at the, the Orlando, Denver at home, Milwaukee at home. Those are all winnable games. Um, Milwaukee, at Milwaukee, Miami, good. Milwaukee's good. Charlotte at home, Detroit at home, Clippers at home, at Indiana, at Chicago, at Milwaukee, Milwaukee at home. I mean, I think it could go to shit around Christmas time potentially. Yeah, because Charlotte is is, 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 is is that if they don't get these five wins before they get in December, and they're and this then they, now we're six seven games below five hundred. Right, so even if they get on, you gotta like we gotta. Re- I mean, that's what happened last year, right? We never won more than four games, yeah. and never lost more than four. But if you get this deficit, so how can like what is the deficit? I guess you asked me what would be the record before they do the panic trade. But wh- wh- how 
How much of this? How much was the record going to be told? I mean, not the panic trade, like two months from now, just the deficit that they're in the, in the, in the near future, in the near time, be like, oh shit, they're five and 15. To me. Oh shit, they're four and 12. Like, it's fucking a wrap. It's not about the record, <laughs> it's about how many games out of that eight spot are you? Well, right now they're just and two and a half games. <laughs> right, it's still early, but by the time January comes, if you are eight or more games out, it's a problem. Mm-hmm. And we're just assuming that they're going to beat teams like the 76ers and the Heat because they're not that good. But neither are the Wizards. They're here two exceptions. So, I just, it, it is very depressing that we're sitting here watching two NFL games and talking about a Wizards team that we don't think is going to make the playoffs. Whereas last year, we were like, okay, they're, they're going to get there. They just need to have A, B, and C happen. And two years ago, we were like, can they get to the Eastern Conference Finals? Like we are, They're a wall injury away from beating the Hawks. I believe that. Right. And they're a pair shot away from going they're, to the they're, Call a travel on Kyle Korver. Call a foul on uh, Kyle Korver against Pierce. One rebound. I mean, there's all sorts of plays right. in so that we're, series. We're able, we were obviously able to have those And then we played the Cavs in the, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Right. And we were able to have those discussions with a straight face. Now we're a shitty bench away from getting to the playoffs. So what part of the so where are we at in the plan on this one? See that's what pisses me off. It's like so we got to that moment, right? And those things. And now Toronto, who we swept, is Toronto DeRozan look like Michael Jordan out there? Well, they, they they had a great season last year, and they're probably the second best team in the East. Probably, and we are just so we're fucking down at two and seven, and we're just sitting here thinking about how bad the record's going to be. Like how did we go from that moment where this franchise in the Raptors in Washington was about the same? And the rap and the and the wizards swept them, dominated them, so they're edged out a little bit more. And then it literally anything, everything that's happened in this franchise has gone down a shitter, and everything's going up for Toronto. And and also then Atlanta loses loses Horford, and they're still playing well. Well, Adam McGinnis, I'm so glad yeah. you mentioned that yeah. because in the article I wrote before the Raptors game, I mentioned that there were two ships passing in the night. Yes, I remember that because a couple of years ago. Dwayne Casey was on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. He was damn close. I mean, I talked to some Toronto people. They, they wanted to like, trade DeMar DeRozan. They were they, like, he's getting ready to lose his job. They didn't want to give DeMar DeMozan, DeRozan the max. Kyle Lowry was fat. Yep, out and of all shape. all of a sudden... Jonas hadn't really, hadn't really come to fruition yet, right? And after they lost to the Wizards, they got their shit together. And the biggest thing that really bothers me as a Wizards fan is... I remember Carmelo talk, Carmelo Anthony was on NBA TV talking to Grant Hill, talking about the bump that playing for the Olympic team gives you confidence-wise and work ethic-wise, and about how this year Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan played around all those all-stars at the Olympics, and they learned what it takes to be a great player, and DeRozan particularly has taken it and has come back completely confident. Wall and Beal for whatever reason, never got that chance to go to the Olympics, whether it's because of injuries or they just didn't get picked. They never got that bump, and Toronto has passed them. Like, Toronto right now, I mean, I'm sure that they lost to Cleveland and all that, but Toronto looks like a team to be reckoned with because DeRozan is now yeah, he's averaging 30-plus points. He said he's putting up stats that, like Michael Jordan. That's why he compared to Michael Jordan's stats. They do the poor 36, and it's like he's doing without shooting threes, too. Right. Which is insane. Fuck, he's, he's, a, he's an analytics nightmare. And Well, what do you what do you put 40 on the Wizards? You're at the game. Yeah. <laughs> and so, effortlessly. And so, now, the Raptors are at a point where they have a fighting chance against 
LeBron and the Cavs because DeRozan is a threat by himself. I mean, they're just you can look at that team and you can say, okay, what are we going to do when we meet Cleveland in the Eastern Conference Finals? Whereas the Wizards can't say that. They have a bench. That, I mean, they have everything that you want is on that team. I mean, just go back to the Cavs. Is that okay? So we have this summer. Okay, yes, don't get. You understand? Don't get Durant. Don't get the main freeze. But it's like, okay, fans, just wait till this big summer. Mm-hmm. Just wait. Just wait. We want to win you a championship. We're building for a championship. We're getting all these young players flexibility. Blah 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 blah. And all of a sudden, you watch the Cavs and the Wizards play. Even without Billy, like they're not even anywhere near close to beating these motherfuckers. And you already know that. But it just it just reminds you that then if we can't beat the champs, it can't be number one. And yet you're telling me how you're doing all these things to to beat them, right? And, and, not, and that's not just you. Everyone's trying to do this. And you're actually going down. And teams that are getting closer to, to the Cavs are other teams that you were just as good as and had beat in a playoff series. Then, like, what is going on here? When I was watching that Cavs game and I was watching how the Wizards were in it, it was the equivalent of a bus driver picking up passengers and getting to the bus stop and the passengers running to the bus stop. And him looking at somebody on the bus and saying, watch this. And just inching up a little past the bus stop. And watching people run. And they're inching up a little more. Like, I, I never felt like the Wizards could truly win. Because LeBron and Kyrie were like, and Kevin Love were like, no, 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 no. Let, let's show you how champions play. Like, I, I just, I miss being able to look at the Wizards and feel like on any given night we can beat any given team. Mm-hmm. And granted, that still may happen. I mean, I know we're getting ready to wrap up. It still may <laughs> happen. But as of right now, I feel like this is a lottery team. That's, that's just what I feel like. And a lottery team means you're not going to retain Wall and Porter. You're not going to retain Wall a couple years from now and Porter's going to walk. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, think it's, I think these next five games are crucial. They have to get some confidence. They have to get some continuity on the second unit. And some W's. And some wins. And they got to scratch out some wins. They have to get Wall and Beal. So Wall's going to sit out these back-to-backs. Doctors, they, they have to be able... But they're not banking enough wins to where then that's... Now it's going to be like, shit, man, we need Wall tonight. <laughs> I mean, we need Wall every night. But now it's like, oh, we're on six, seven, eight, nine games on 500. See, like, we, we can't afford him sitting out. And we don't want to do that because... You know, I don't. I want him to sit out. LeBron, there are stats back to sitting out stuff, right? I mean, yeah, I get but that's that. That's the negative part about him sitting out. When he comes back, he's just so okay. I want to prove that I'm, I'm healthy and I'm good. That it comes to the death. I thought he was of- exceptional versus the Cavs at the beginning of the game. He wore down in the second half, and then he, there was moments in against the Celtics that he showed this. But then, uh, and, and the Cavs, he was great. But the second he, half, he was not. He only had like two points. He had like twenty some at halftime. Houston, no, not at all. Just, let's talk about. Let's talk about. What did you think of the? You you covered that game, right? Yep. What did you think of the bump with the ref? Was it intentional? Unintentional? How about it was? I don't think it was hundred percent intentional, but it was like accidentally intentional. Does that make sense? <laughs> I can't was, tell. He knew he was there. It was like we 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 both have taken public transportation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, let's say you're on the train and somebody's bag is sticking in your back the whole time and you get off the train and they walk by you. And yeah, you can get out of the way, but because they pissed you off, you purposely stay in the way. And then maybe he hits you, maybe he doesn't. Right. right? Because when you when you bump somebody accidentally, Wall could have easily hit him and then grabbed him around the waist and said, you know, my bad, slapped him on the ass. But there was no 
there was no sincerity, and then the ref said something, and he turned around and acted all incredulous. He could have gotten out of the way, but he was pissed. The ref said that he said something to him, but it didn't look like he said anything. But Wall was, was still pissed with these calls. I mean, right. yeah, so he's mad frustrated So, so that one, I thought he was just being stubborn, but the second one against Marcus Smart was just like... Yeah, I was at that game. I that just looked this. like, he was just like, fuck it. I'm like, lost his mind or something. I'm going to get my money's worth here. Oh, and, and they went at it. Like, there was a like, wall was, like, going to him, like, oh, let's go yeah. meet you outside. And Marcus Smart was not backing on anyone. That motherfucker, he wanted to take the whole bench on. Which is like, funny like, because, and, because and then John I saw Wall, the replay, and I was like. John Wall doesn't want it with Marcus Smart. Oh, I don't. He doesn't want any part of Marcus Smart. No. Marcus Smart, he's, he, I think Yeah, John Wall has a knack with, with Quincy, Quincy AC. He has a knack of getting involved with people who, <laughs> yes, you, who will fuck him up. Who go to the trunk. Right. <laughs> like, they're ready, they're ready to go. Right. Throw down they, they, time. They, they have a little something for him. But I, I. It's just. It's but then also the, but the Marcus Smart incident, he was out of line. I don't know if it was a flagrant two though. Well, well, I thought. I thought. I don't think he deserved to get ejected. He wasn't but what the fuck player. are you doing? We're up twenty points with five minutes left in the game, and you're like mad about the refs being mad. Well, I'll and his quote, his quotes afterwards, he was like bitching about the refs, and so I was like, it kind of made me feel like he did it on purpose. Then it was very <laughs> selfish because he said they will. Then he apologized. They will respect me. Like that's not how you get respect. Yeah. Like refs are not going to respect a all-star card on a 2-17. and 17. It's just not going to happen that way. And so I felt like he was a little selfish there. And now he has a reputation. Like the refs, they stick together. They, they, they watch games too. And now his leash is much shorter. And I'm just hoping that he doesn't do any dumb shit the rest of the year because he's going to... He got fined, did not get suspended. Could have got suspended for both of these incidents, honestly. He but, did not. But that's not how what he did... That last game is going to manifest itself. It's going to manifest itself in quick technical fouls, quick ejections, not getting the calls. He's going to get more and more upset, and he, he just he just needs to be careful because he's veering close to the Rasheed Wallace slash Draymond Green territory when you're just not liked. Mm-hmm. So I mean, hell, we already have an issue with Marquise Morris already on this team. Like he's getting, you don't want that. You're going to not get calls, but you don't want it to where all of a sudden you get. You were getting texts on bad reputation, like reputation, right, right? Right. Like you developed a reputation, and once you get a reputation in this league, you can't get it. You can't unwind it with these refs. No, no. Even when it is kind of bullshit, like you just got raked across the eye, you can't see. You're like, what's up? And That's then they they'll tee you up, and then now now you get thrown out of the game because the Houston game. Because I don't really the the thing about the Boston one. Okay, I was like, what? Why are you doing this? Why are you fouling hard with five minutes? That didn't matter. So it was about something else. And Smart goes. Yeah, he's like, did you have, a, you know, the reporters in the locker room ask more about it? And he was like, yeah, earlier, Wall told me he couldn't push me up or something. They were jawing about that. Right. So is that, is that something to do? And then, but then Sparks like, I'm like, not backing down. He knows, he knows, he knows what's up. Like, all this stuff. <laughs> I was like, shit. Because usually in the locker room, I was telling someone, usually in the locker room, you, you know, so like, say, like, you've been in there. I was like. A player gets into some technical or thrown out or something happening, and then afterwards you ask them what happened. They're like, like, I don't uh, want to talk about it. I want to talk about it. smart one to talk about it, and he kept talking about yeah. it. And then I was like, oh, damn, this is totally different, you know? And then, but is but the one in the Rockets game, it was a five-point game. We needed John Wall. What do you, you, you hurt the team doing that. Even if you did it intentionally, intentionally, you already had a tech. You knew you could have bumped yourself. You when you bumped the ref, you didn't go like, "Oh, I'm, oh, my bad." There was no, yeah, 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 yeah. You and so that's when I say he like accidentally, intentionally did it. You know, it doesn't really make any sense. But he gets tossed from the game immediately. The Wizards throw the ball away, and turn it over, and the game is over because it was a five point game with a minute left. And, and so that one, so so there's these two situations. They're like, you're hurting the let's team. Let's not forget, even before he got thrown out of the game. He had thrown two passes to Trevor Ariza. Like, he wasn't even playing well down the stretch. 
Oh, he was not. So he's, I mean, I I felt like that was that was that was extremely selfish, and that's not who John Wall is. Mm-hmm. That's not no. who he is, and it's it's. He did apologize and tweeted out. He apologized. He was, he was sorry. I was frustrated or something. I right, know. but I, it's, I, it's too late for that. You already... think, You think the team made him do that? Or you think he just did it on his own? No, I think he did it on his own. Uh, yeah. Did it on his own. I don't think he wants that reputation. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think he wants that. Did you? Uh, before we leave, you had a funny item in your Raptors blog about being in the locker room. Because I think the things they do this podcast and we spend this time on the stuff is mm-hmm. people listen. They want to hear our experiences of encountering these right, players that they watch on TV. They want to hear the inside baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you cover the Raptors game. You know, unfortunately, you know, like we mentioned earlier, uh, DeRozan went off and they lost the game. But you had a funny item of DeRozan Lowry that I put on Twitter. You you wrote up, and I got a million retweets from all these Raptors fans somehow. Uh, and just I just want to know about comparing their relationship, DeRozan and them, compared to what you know all this tension that we've. I don't want to go into the wall deal thing, but no, no, no. but it is stark con- contrast, right? But number right? one, I don't know on the road what is where that? Wall's locker is in comparison to Bill's. Yeah, I don't know if they're next to each other or what, but. First thing you notice is that DeRozan and Lowry's locker were right next to each other. So the media comes in and they're just busting each other's balls. Like DeRozan, one of the Raptors media is like, DeRozan, are you going to talk? He's like, no, I'm talking to my mom. <laughs> so, DeRozan's on the phone talking to his mom. So like, Lowry's, man, fuck your mom. And they're, like, <laughs> they're like going back and forth. And so DeRozan was like, yeah, he heard, you know, Lowry got hurt. He said he got hurt. You know, they're just going, they're just drawing back and forth. And it's just like, you see that this is this is legitimate chemistry there. Yeah. Like it's not they're not putting on an act. And so it it was just it was refreshing to see. And so then DeRozan gets off the phone and was like, Kyle, why don't you talk to the media? He was like, Man, fuck the media. I'm not talking to them. You talk to the media. <laughs> and so literally you see the Wizards I mean the uh the Raptors guy like walking back and forth like, Okay, who's What do you guys have to who's talk? Who's gonna talk? Yeah. So DeRozan ends up talking first and then right after that Lowry talks, but it was just to see them going back and forth, it was legitimate. Well, well, it, well what, no, what I remember too by saying like something he was somehow his mom was talking about what happened to Kyle, and then he said he was faking it or something. Yeah, he was like, yeah, Kyle got hurt, but he's not. You know, he was faking. He's not really hurt. And Kyle was like, yeah, I was hurt. <laughs> he told him to tell his mom that. But I got, yeah, so I mean, obviously Kyle knows Rose's <laughs> mom, and it was just it was normally I wouldn't tweet about stuff like that, but they were saying it within earshot. They yeah. knew people. So, and then didn't Lowry didn't Lowry look at the the score the, the box score oh, and gave him so shit after, about Otto Porter having a good so game? So that was after we had done the interviews. After everybody was done, you know, Lowry was like getting ready to get in the shower. He was icing his knees, and he looked at the scoreboard. The, the stat sheet and was like, "Damn, bro, did Otto Porter really?" And I don't remember what. <laughs> You get a double double. He's like, I yeah. really get a double double on you. <laughs> and DeRozan had forty too, right? Right. <laughs> DeRozan was the best player, and he's like, he's like knocking his, like knocking his balls for right. playing good so, defense. And so after that, you know, I didn't, I didn't tweet this part because again, that's yeah. You know, uh, DeRozan was like, man, fuck you. <laughs> you know, so it was, it was. You know, there were players on the other side of the locker room who were looking at them and laughing. So, so to see your two best players being able to joke. And to be good natured about things like that has to help for the self esteem of the team because they're they're unequivocally the leader. It's like, it's like a buddy cop. It's like almost like a buddy cop movie that actually is. It's similar to something like Nene and Gortat really had, like a real kind of funny, but they liked each other kind of thing. Right, different, or it was different like, characters. like Nick Young and um yeah. and Gilbert Arenas used to do. But it was 
you know, it was it was just funny to see, and it, you know, it makes you realize that the Wizards don't quite have that. Yeah, you know, they they don't for whatever reason they don't have that. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, we have rammed on for so long. Uh, we're gonna watch some football, but thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. It, we went to a dark and dark place there. We we're trading Wolf. Not ever gonna fire Grumfeld. Very dark. Very <laughs> talking dark. about all the losses. Uh, and we didn't even talk <laughs> about the election. And we got dark. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're supposed to listen to this to to, to get away from uh, the results if if they did not go your way. And here we just made more negative feelings. But Rashad, thanks for coming over, man. No problem. Man. Yeah, it was fun. I, I, on the positive note, before I go, I would say what positive you have left. Sadoransky and McClellan, I think I have some positive. Sadoransky, McClellan. See them play more. Oh, and Beal's got to step it up, and I want to see what Bradley Beal. He's not. He's you know, it's hamstring his team, but like, yo, bro, you you got to do some shit here in the next month or two. Like, you got to demand the ball, want the ball, be more decisive. Stop doing these things. Stop calling out shit in the media. Like, you, and, and you have these open shots. You have a great shot. You've put the work in the summer, but we got to see it. The positives right? are the Wizards can get everybody back and easily go on a six-game win streak and be right back in the playoff mix, and all of a sudden. This gloom and doom podcast is, is a moot point. Yeah. So they have that potential. They've done it before. That can happen. It's just right now they're two and seven. <laughs> so yeah, there's no other way to to, right. to sweep that. But and yes. the team they play next is the team that's below them. If they lose, then they're on the bottom of the Eastern Conference. So Wednesday is see. It's hard to really spin the positive when Wednesday is if they're going to be last name last in the NBA or last in the Eastern Conference. It could be. <laughs> Dead last. Yeah. Seller, seller matchup. Big game on Wednesday, so everyone listen. But hey, thank you all for all your support. Go read Truth About It. We have a bunch of cool stuff on the site. We've been publishing like nonstop. So a lot of, lot of interesting pieces that we put a lot of effort in. And thank you so much for listening. Rashad, that's it. <laughs> Peace out. Go. Five dog, what I go on with the crow, with the crow, nothing. That's why me had to come through. Five dog, you spit wicked every verse. Them no say, respect the training man first. Five dog, I know you have them all shook up. Good shit, cause you a mastermind they cook up. Five dog, what I go on with the crow, nothing. That's why me had to come through. Five dog, you spit wicked every verse. Them no say, respect training man first. Five dog, I know you on a one and twos. Give me that one where we damn, that's the one brother. Like, Five dog, I know you want to one and twos. Give me a zoo, zoo, and do exactly what you do. Try call quest, you see them back with one another. Hey, your boss or boss, they don't want no problem. Five dog, Donald, five dog, You can call me Don Juice. I'm the shit right now. What you need to see, bro? Recently on the internet, they chatting, taking both debating who can win in battle rapping. Let's make it happen. These cyberpunks already part. No subliminals with me. You know who the fuck you are. Who wants more? Ha ha. Well, here are orthodox spitter or ring on a southpaw. No doubt I'ma set it. Set it. Juice best be ready. Off top on the spot. No reading from your wack. Very with the iPhones. Home skill sets must be shown. I'ma show you the real meaning of the danger zone. Huh. I got it on. Ace freak to all clones, untouchable in my zone. Watch your tone, leave him alone. Fuck your ass, cheek flows with bars sweeter than scones. 
Put on Michael. Yes, yes, he's the wrong one to fuck with. No matter what the day, he could catch you on his plane or the one he on the day. Visit niggas in a dream, make a scream of bloody murder. He's a trainee gladiator, ain't no need to take it further. If you wanna take it further, your huckleberry is here. Doctor of your holiday, Wyatt Earp, you're good like the tears. We gon' celebrate him, elevate him. Father had to levitate him, give him his and don't debate him. Top dog is the way to rate him. Oh, did you? Yeah, no, we could have stopped it, actually. <laughs>